Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Pat Donovan. Joining me tonight is the Yeti, <laughs> Nick Ligatino. What's going on, Nick? Ah, oh, I'm sober this week. I'm, re- I'm ready to record. <laughs> I, I was booted off of last week's podcast. Yeah, well, when you start talking about negative walk rates, that's the end, Nick. <laughs> we, have to, we have to boot you and move on. Oh, boy. But you, you seem in okay shape. I'm all right. For you. <laughs> okay, we've got a great show for you guys tonight. We've got the starting pitching preview part two. But first, we've actually had some developments mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball. Some interesting news after a long dry spell. Some good, some bad. The big news item is obviously Bryce Harper signing with the Phillies. So, Nick, I ask you, value up, down, or the same? Do you think it's a big boost to the other bats in the lineup? And do you think anyone is actually hurt by it? Yeah, it's. I think it's a huge boost. Um, for me, it moves the needle a lot with Harper. It's definitely one of the, the best landing spots. This offense is going to score a lot of runs. The counting stats are going to be there. I think that um, this current Philly offense is better than any past Nats offense. Uh, it might be close, and that might be debatable. But I, I just like the pieces. I like the OBP guys that are in front of him. It's ridiculous. The, the, the on-base percentage on this team right now is crazy with Hernandez, Segura, and um, McCutcheon. So, so the counting stats could, could, be, could be really elite this year for, for Harper, depending on where he is. What do you think he bats in the lineup? I think he's hitting three, which is why I brought up the point about who's hurt by it because – I mean, from what I've seen, McCutcheon is batting leadoff almost every spring training game. Now, Hernandez has been hurt, but I don't think there's room for three guys in front of Harper in this lineup. I, I think it's going to be McCutcheon, Segura, Harper, and Hernandez is going to end up hitting ninth. And if that's the case, I think that's going to hurt his volume. Um, he almost would have been better off without Harper, at least initially. Now, I mean, there's always injuries that can happen. I'm not totally shying away from Cesar Hernandez, but um, I I like this situation a lot better with him hitting leadoff and McCutcheon towards the middle of the lineup, but I don't think the Phillies are inclined to do that. Yeah, I agree. Harper, I mean, um, it's a a bad time for an injury for Cesar, Um, and they went out, you know, Segura is the more expensive player. He's going to be the guy that gets the first crack at the top. And they've they haven't been hesitant to move Caesar, who's been awesome, to the back of that lineup. So it sucks for him because he's just awesome. But that's it's gonna that, that's exactly how it's gonna unfold. I think it's gonna be uh, McCutcheon Segura or Segura McCutcheon Bryce right and Reese. Yeah, I, and I don't want to dox Cesar too much because I mean, again, injuries can happen, and all it takes is a soft tissue injury to McCutcheon or Segura. <laughs> And he's right back at the top of the lineup. So yeah, and it um, makes him and it makes him an even better value than he always is. Like he's just an even better value, honestly. Yeah, I mean, he basically goes from you know, like a borderline starting second baseman to a guy that you can grab for your bench. And then if an injury does strike, suddenly he's super valuable. You've got a nice chip on your hands to move, um, especially in this world where everybody's so da- so damn caught up on stolen bases. Um, he's a guy that can steal upwards of twenty. So. Um, yeah, I still I still like him, but I think it does hurt his value, at least initially. Okay, Salvador Perez went down for the year with Tommy John surgery. 
A thin catcher, catcher landscape has already thinned further. What does this do to your strategy at the position, if anything? Yeah, so it definitely uh, boosts up uh, ADPs on Grandal, Sanchez, Ramos, uh, especially those three. Um, because after that, I think it's a big drop. Um, uh, it depends on how you look at Posey. I mean, for me, I, I like the guy, and I, I think that getting that kind of batting average from catcher is definitely valuable. But the lack of counting stats that he's provided over the last couple of years, along with the lack of power, it just – I like the ADP. Don't get me wrong. I like that, that he's into, you know, into the 12th round. But, um, yeah, for, I, I just – I'm I'm kind of out on Posey, and I think that Sanchez now and Real Mudo definitely get a boost in ADP and Grandal. But I don't know. Are you are you as out on catcher as everyone else? Because I'm I'm kind of like not as much as everyone else. Well, I mean, I, I don't know that I've got a set plan per se as to how I want to approach the position. Um, in TGFBI, I ended up getting a decent price on Gary. Um, and Which that's was a 15 what? team league with two catchers. Uh, it was, I believe, 56. Yeah, that's nice. That's good. That's a good price. And that's a, that's 15 teams, two catchers. So I mean, that's the format where an elite catcher can really make a huge difference. Um, I'm okay with spending up for Real Muto and Sanchez. I'm okay with shopping in the middle, and I think those are the guys that really get the boost. I, I think that this moves up. Probably, like you mentioned, Grandal, um, Contreras, Posey, Ramos, Molina. I think all those guys get a little bit of a boost in terms of how they're going to be perceived within the market. But, I mean, even if I miss out on that crew, I'm not going to panic. You know, I mean, I like Danny Jansen. He's sort of an island onto himself. And, you know, for if you miss out on him, it, it, it's one of those things, you know, like it just kind of tends to even out. Somebody's expending a, a premium pick on a catcher. There's a premium outfielder available. There's a premium pitcher available. There's a premium infielder available. I'm not going to panic. I can grab a guy like Wellington Castillo that I like at the end of drafts. Um, you know, I, I like the I like the Pirates situation with Cervelli. Yeah, and same. then you know maybe you can kind of plug in and out Elias Diaz off the waiver wire if you want to grab some extra volume or get some insurance because their belly is always hurt. Austin Barnes is another guy that we both like that is free. I mean, literally free dollars. John Hicks is a guy that's going to see DH at bats in Detroit. There are a lot of names out there. They're not great. And, and, I've, but, and I've, I've come around on Tucker Barnhart a little bit as well. Yeah, because the volume, right? Yeah, like the volume. Great volume right there. I mean – and the lineup is going to be good, even if he's hitting eighth or seventh or whatever the hell he's going to hit in that lineup. I, you can find your way to a respectable line in this climate late in drafts. So uh, that's my message is don't panic. I prefer to be at the high end or the middle, but if people are going to push the middle up to where I'm not comfortable, um, I'm, I'm not going to panic and buy into that run. I'll just wait. Yeah, agreed. Okay, Miguel Sano, his heel is still an issue. He cut it for actually celebrating uh, a team win in the Dominican Winter League. He's required a procedure. He's out until May. Marwin is locked in, it seems, at third base while he's out. 
And this opens the door for another catcher, Astudio, right? Or Astudio. Your, your favorite player, Susu Studio. Susu um, Studio, as we refer to him. Yeah, I mean, well, they said that he was taking reps at shortstop, right? Apparently, they. I, I mean, I've heard differing things at it about this that they had him in at shortstop in the lineup card by mistake and he played third or mm. it was a joke or, or something. I don't know that he actually played shortstop. So, I mean, is your question that, that it's going to open up a studio at third base? Yeah. I mean, like Marwin's a guy that can play everywhere. Right. So if Marwin is technically the everyday third baseman and then they need to give uh, Jonathan scope a day off, and they want to move Marwin the second, a studio would step in at third. Um, he sort of becomes the first guy off the bench is, is really what the question is. Uh, I mean, I can't answer that because I just – I have no idea about his uh, his fielding. I mean, as far as playing the infield. At catcher, he's solid. But I, have, I didn't see any film of him playing third base or playing the infield. I don't know if you did. Um, or if you've heard anything about how his glove well, plays. Well, it's not it's – not, I don't think he's necessarily a good defender. But the Twins have been willing to let him play. I mean, I think he even played a game or, or maybe just part of a game in center field last year. Did he really? Yeah, I think wow. so. I remember hearing that. Um, so, I mean, they've shown a willingness to let him play even if – the defense isn't great. Hmm. At least well, last year. It, first of all, if he if he got that eligibility, that would be crazy. I mean, if he well, has got third. Oh, he's got third already. Yeah, he's got third. Oh wow! At I least didn't know he in played... Yahoo, he's got third. Okay. Okay. Um. So yeah, I, I mean, if he gets more ups at third, that'd be great. I mean, listen, the guy. Listen, you played. Uh, in the championship in our league last year, and the guy that you played, I I was on him all week, pick up a studio, pick up a studio, because he needed to win batting average. And this guy was under the radar all year. Um, you know, he finished with a 371 OBP. Um, the slugging was good. The OPS was 887. He gets on base. So they want that, that. There's a reason why they want him in the lineup. The guy gets on base on a, on a lineup where that's been an issue. Um, so if, if a studio could get like, over 500 at bats, or let's even, yeah, if he gets like fi over 500 at bats, that's very, I mean, that's even aggressive for a catcher, you know. Like, I don't even think he needs that many to be like a top 15, top 12 catcher. I mean, like, no. he gets to like 400, right? And he's sporting the 3% strikeout rate that he's got, yeah, or anywhere even remotely close to it. I mean, he's going to be a 280 plus hitter at catcher. And I don't know that the rest of it really matters because he'll have comparable volume to everybody else. I mean, there's only a handful of catchers that see 500 at bats in a given season. So, yeah. I mean, if he's close to like 400 or 450, he's getting catcher volume. He only needs to play like four times a week to get that. So I, to me, that's where he becomes interesting. And this sort of solves that situation for at least the first month or so, right? Yeah. Like he's he's clear now to get three or four games in every week 
because Sano is gone and the depth takes a hit as a result of it. If Sano comes back and there is no further injury, well, then it sort of takes a hit. But, I mean, for the first six weeks, you don't really have to worry about it. Yeah. Okay, there's some pitcher injuries to talk about as well. Mike Fultonevich is dealing with elbow soreness, but he's playing catch. Severino suffered a rotator cuff injury. He's got inflammation. The MRI came back clean. He shut down for two weeks. And Carlos Martinez was also shut down. We're closing in and in on an update from him. Um, he was supposed to be shut down for two weeks and reevaluated. That should be coming any day now. Opening day is obviously in doubt for all three. So do you have any thoughts here? Are you absolutely staying away from any of the three of them? Uh, I'm probably staying away from Martinez the most. If I had to pick one to really stay away from, it's just because he's had um, kind of a laundry list of injuries over the last couple of years, and he's had his up and downs with inconsistencies and in coming back from injuries. He hasn't he hasn't handled the injuries well. Um, he's been really wild at times, um, and I, to well, me, more police with his conditioning coming in. Yeah, exactly. Training so training this year either. So, you know, it's, with him, it's just I think he's still floating around on on name value from what, you know, the upside he had years ago. Um, so I think that still his ADP, he'll probably get drafted a little too high, whereas Severino, um, it seems really well, can I, minor. Can we, can we just, let's just let's just stay with Carmart for a second. Go ahead. So, Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, his ADP was actually the 50th starting pitcher. So that's that's relatively low. That's probably lower than you were thinking, right? When was when was your draft? Was it before or after? Um, These drafts took place over the last ten days. So this is after his injury was announced. In most cases, I have him. Regardless of injury, I have him a lot lower than fiftieth overall pitcher. Regardless of the injury. Okay. All right. Well, then you're. You're lower on him. I I actually was relatively high on him pre-injury. Had him he where? Was actually, I don't recall right off the top of my head where I had him. I would say it was probably somewhere in the uh, 28 to 33 range. Wow. Yeah, I, I really liked Carlos Martinez. But injury has happened. But I, I kind of like him at that price. I mean, I still think that this is a guy that's got legitimate SP2 type upside. Um, and at SP50, we're going to go through some names tonight, and I'm not enamored with a lot of them. So I don't mind that price. Um, you know, we may find something out tomorrow or the next day that, Makes me say, all right, I'm completely out. Um, you know, the Cardinals might come out and say, all right, listen, he's not going back in the rotation. We're sticking him in the bullpen. He's going to be our seventh inning guy. And in that case, then, yeah, I'm, I'm not interested at all. But if they keep him as a starter and they say he's progressed well, it becomes it becomes pretty interesting at that price for me. Are you taking him or Andrew Haney? Right now? Yeah. I think I've got Heaney in front of him. And and before that, you had them a ways away. Uh, it's, 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 I'm surprised you had him that high. It's very high. Yes. I had – Heaney's been kind of consistent where I've had him. 
Okay. Um, all right. I, and then, you know, with respect to Fulty, I, I was kind of lukewarm to begin with. I mean, Joe and I talked about him last week. Um, I, I don't see any way I end up with him. You know, I viewed him as a production risk before, and now you put that together with the injury risk. And, and now he's progressed a little bit too. I mean, he's, he's looking like he's survived this scare. Um, still a red flag to me, but it's looking like it's not the end of his season or that he's going to miss any kind of significant amount of time. So I imagine that there's going to be somebody in, in my remaining drafts that's going to like Fulte more than me. Where are you on Fulton Evich? I still love him. I, I think that um, – I don't think last year was an anomaly. I think that uh, the home run suppression rate was real and you know the ground ball rate going up to 23.1 has room to increase as well. I love I love the stuff. The heat is there. Um, give him some time off. He'll be fine. I, I like him a lot. And the defense, the infield defense is really good. Okay. And then I have to ask, because you're the Yankee fan on the podcast, what's what's your feeling on Severino? Yeah, so uh, listen, as a Yankee fan or as a fan of baseball, you know that the Yankees downplay injuries like ridiculous. Um, so when this happened and they came right out, I mean right out, <laughs> like that night and said that, you know, it would only be a couple of weeks. He'll be ready to start the season, yada, yada, yada. I kind of took it with a grain of salt because just think about what happened with Aaron Judge last year and the broken wrist. He broke his wrist and they said he'd be back in like two weeks or something like that. It was something crazy. Uh, and he was out for two months. So uh, with Severino, yeah, I'm a bit worried, but the Yankees have been really, really good with, with um, getting guys back fast with injury. I don't know if it's the medical team or what, but – We've had some good luck besides Jacoby Ellsbury, um, so I, I, I am, I am a bit worried just because it is the rotated cuff and this could be an ongoing thing. But um, if it drops the ADP to a place where I like it, then then I'll buy. Where is the place that you like it? Um, well, if I had him ranked over. I'm sorry. If I had him, if I had him in front of, let me just pull it up. Let me just see real quick. Hold on. Because I can tell you where I am. Okay. So I had, I had him in front of um, Kershaw, Strasburg, and Clevenger and Flaherty. I probably, probably moved him. I probably move him right behind Flaherty. So I was he's about to say, I was, I was like, there's no way that he's in front of Flaherty right now. No, no. I'm, I'm taking Flaherty <laughs> over him and. Um, if I have to wait till Bumgarner's next start, but I may take Bumgarner over him depending on the below. Yeah, I think we're in the same sort of territory. Um, I, I've dropped him from the ace tier down into that sort of high end number two. Um, yeah. you know, he's in that Paxton, Corbin, Strasburg territory right now, so he's sort of the injury risk. I would have him in front of Kershaw if I was drafting today, and and I'm willing to adjust back up. Much like I said with Martinez, based upon the news. I mean, if they come out and they say he's in two weeks and they say he's progressing well and we expect him back after one turn through the rotation, he has a chance to jump back up into the ace tier. If things aren't as optimistic, I may drop him down further. But as of right now, I think that's where he resides. I have a hard time getting James Paxton in front of him with – the knowledge that Paxton is probably not going to exceed 170 innings. And that's probably about what you would expect from Severino right now, based upon what we know. Hmm. Do you agree with that? 
Um, kind of. I mean, because the Yankees, they do seem pretty adamant that he will like most likely be ready to to start the season. So, I don't know if you would if you would bank on him for one seventy. Um, honestly, overall, I just I like Paxton better, regardless. To be honest. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. All right, let's take it to the starting pitching outline part two, and we're going to kick it off with Zach Wheeler, 90.17. He's the 26th starting pitcher. Uh, finally got healthy and put together a breakout year. Do you think he can take another step this season? Yeah, problem is everyone does. <laughs> everyone out there does. So yeah, I own all the chairs. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's flying off the shelves right now. I'm surprised that his ADP is um, still sticking at – over 90 with, with all the analysts all over him. And I mean like every analyst out there, I, I would think that he would, I thought he would have surged a little more like into the um, low eighties realm, like 81, 82, 83 around there, but he's sticking at 90, which to me is still really, really, really good. Yeah. I still think it's a good price. Yeah. It's really good. It's a really good price for a guy who um, really doesn't give up any home runs and plays in a great ballpark for it. And just has his really good ratios um, I, I think the stars are aligned and he's going to have like a really, really sick year and over nine K per nine uh, under a 2.75 uh, walk rate with like a sub three. Uh, honestly, I have him down for like a three, one, five ERA, which yeah puts him like, you know, almost like an, as a top, it's a top 15 pitcher. starter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, he's got a really good fastball. I like that as a foundational piece. When the fastball's plus, you know, you can kind of – you only really need one of your secondary pitches to be working, and he's got three of them. And then if he's got, you know, two secondary pitches working along with the fastball, that's when you get your really high-end starts. So um, – now that Wheeler is finally healthy, you sort of see the combination of floor every time he goes out because the fastball's good and ceiling when the secondary stuff is on. And the secondary stuff is pretty good. Um, so the second half was completely bananas. The control took a significant step forward. In addition to having good swing and miss stuff, he's excellent at suppressing hard contact. He was third in soft contact percentage behind DeGrom and Scherzer and in front of Hendricks and Keuchel. And he had the lowest hard contact percentage in the major leagues last year allowed. Wow. And wow. that's in front of Nola and DeGrom. Wow. So, I mean, the health is always going to be a question, but, I mean, I've said it many times. You know, you're, you're only healthy until you're hurt. And Wheeler showed health last year. And the fact that maybe that's what's keeping his price down is his past injury is something that I think you should jump on. Because as Nick outlined, I mean, top 15 type arm type upside from him is very realistic considering what we saw in the second half. So I'm all over him. Okay, 27th, we've got Miles Michaelis, 98.97. He returned to, the, to Major League Baseball and was better than even his biggest advocates, you and I included, could have expected. What can you do for an encore, and do you see any path for growth in the K rate? Yeah, I hate to toot our own horns, but yeah, we were all over him last year. Um, he returned major value. The ADP was 
it was definitely post 200, right? Like well past 200. Um, I don't know if it was around draft probably, time, but I mean, he was definitely ballpark. he was definitely outside the top 50 starting pitchers. I want to say. Oh yeah, no, I I would bet my life on that definitely. Um, but yeah, as far he got as off to that uh, rough start in spring, if you recall, I mean, yeah, he just got yeah murder balled his first time out. Yep, and we were kind of like, uh-oh, but... You we, know, we were like, happen. yes, this is good. Yeah. We want our yeah. guys to get wrecked in spring. Good for us, but then we were kind of like, ah, this is what happens when you throw too many strikes in the in the bigs. You know, like we yeah. kind of thought that for a second too. But um, anyway, uh, as far as Mikolas goes this year, I, I like I like the price. I like the pitcher a lot. Um, I think that the ERA will come up a little bit. It'll be over three, um, but the K per nine will definitely come up. He's got good swing and miss stuff. Like he's got a good heater, and it goes with a good curveball. Curveball is a secondary pitch, right? Second pitch. Yeah, he's got a curve and a slider. Yeah, he's got he's got like four good pitches, and he throws them all pretty evenly. Um, but the curveball, I think, has a swing and miss like of eleven and a half percent or twelve percent, something like that. I don't have it in front of me right now. My computer's being wacky, but um, he could generate. He could. He definitely generates uh, more swing and miss than his. Uh, K per nine insinuates. So, uh, I mean, if you look at the you know steamer and some of the projections, they all have him like low sevens. I think he could actually take a really big jump and get closer to eight. Which, I mean, I don't know if you're with me on this, but I haven't projected for a seven six five uh, K per nine this year. With, in, with no, I wouldn't ratio. have him that high. I would well, put him right around seven point two. Well, look. <sighs> If they mess with his pitch mix a little bit, if he messes with his pitch mix a little bit, like last year was his first year in the majors, and like well, what's, we got his, what's his motivation to do that? I mean, he was good last year, right? He was good, like, but why is he going to do that? He would have I mean, to fail first. I I guess, but don't you don't you more than anything want your pitcher to generate more swing and miss, like less contact? Like, isn't that the name of the game? I don't know. Just, I mean. Personally, I would, but Major League Baseball teams don't always think the way that I do. Yeah, like like his third and fourth pitchers pitches um, don't generate that much swing and miss. It's really the curve and the fastball. Um, and if he hits you with the ninety, you know, ninety seven mile per hour fastball, and then bangs you out with that ridiculous curve, um, you know, his three and four could be, you know, mop up pitches. And I don't know. I I, I just I see a lot of potential for. The K per nine. I think it could. I think it could revolve around the eight mark, which would, which would return sick value if he was able to get there. Oh, what do yeah, you have? Absolutely. What do you What do you project for his K per uh, K per nine this year? I would put him right around seven point two, seven point one five. Yeah, that's that's still a really big it's jump. A, yeah, it's a nice jump, and you know, a lot of what you said is is the reason why. Um, Michaelis is a guy that fills the zone. He had the highest zone percentage of any qualified starter. But he also had a really strong chase rate. He was actually top three in chase rate after Patrick Corbin, Jacob Degrom, and Carl, and right before Carlos Carrasco. So I mean, that's really good company. Um, and I think if he's a little less inside the zone, that could be the key to, t- to tapping into the strikeout upside. But I mean, yeah. even at nine point six swing strike percentage, that's what he is right now. He should definitely be close to seven in terms of caper nine, I, I think that last year was low. I expect it to come up. Um, but some of that will be offset by the fact that he's probably got a little bit more BABIP 
coming his way because he's a ground ball guy. You could see the homers per nine rise as well. Um, but, you know, that's not to say that I don't like him. I, I do. I've got him a few spots lower than this, but I don't have any real ups. I don't have any real issue with taking him here. I, I think that he's very much a team comp guy, though. So, like, I, I think I need a Verlander or a Cole, somebody with a really strong strikeout rate to pair him with. I don't think I could pair Michaelis and Kluber together. For See, I just I I disagree, but because I mean, if you have him projected projected for a seven two, that's it's not unhealthy. It's not totally unhealthy. No, it's not that seven, it's unhealthy. Two. It's just you got. I think you have to make up the difference somewhere. I I but that's what I'm saying. I I don't know if I don't know if seven two is that low where you really have to make up the difference. Like where we have to, we have to take a guy like Verlander. Like I just I don't know. Seven two is okay to me. And I and I like I said I think it'll be more I think it'll be over seven five I'm pretty confident it'll be over seven five but if it is seven two I don't think you need to make your priorities like I don't think he is a team comp guy to be honest. Well, I mean, but you've already got I mean, it's not you're taking Michaelis and then you're taking Verlander. It's you've already taken Verlander, yeah. so now it opens the door to take oh, okay. Michaelis. Yeah, yeah, I see. If I've got if I've got Kluber, I don't think that I'm going to be the guy that's going to take Michaelis. Yeah, and if you take Michaelis. And the Cardinals come out and say that uh, Jose Martinez is going to be an everyday outfielder. You could kiss that Babbitt goodbye. Yep. Or, or or any position on the field, for that matter. Yes. <laughs> Jose Martinez is just a disaster in the field. <laughs> disaster. All right, 28th, David Price, 100.06. A uh, bit of a return for, to form for Price last year. Do you think he's getting a little bit of the old and boring treatment? Um, well, I don't know if it's old and boring or treatment, or if it's my finger is numb treatment, like throughout the entire year and the year before. Um, that had owners scared all year. Like anyone who owned Price last year just, you know, kept getting scared away because there'd be a report every other month that he'd feel you know, a tingle in his finger, which is like the worst thing possible you want to hear from your pitcher. And it was kind of like an ongoing thing. Um, the good thing is he did pitch through it. So, uh, and, and the results were good. Um, they were a bit lucky with, with the ERA. Um, and I do, I don't mind the price on price, but I prefer a, a whole crop of guys over him that we're gonna get we're gonna get to for a couple of reasons. One, yeah, Price is getting older and he has suffered a lot of injuries over the last two seasons. Um, two, he's in a really bad ballpark. He's in a really bad division. Um, and you know, if he he had a one point two eight home run per nine last year, and if that carries over again this year with that defense, like there's there's no way he's gonna have a sub three seven five ERA. So I don't know. I'm kind of Kind of out on price. I think he should be like. Well, what's the problem with their defense? I think they're um, actually pretty good defensively, and he's well, a fly in, ball guy. So, well, their it's their outfield is good. The infield defense is a little suspect. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think he's most. I think he's more of a fly ball guy. So, I mean, yeah, that's true. I'm not as worried about the defense, but what I am worried about is his swing strike rate was identical to Michaelis. So he may have been on the high end of his K rate. But what, what was it? Of his pure, it was 9.6% was his swing strike rate. It was the hmm. exact same as Michaelis's. So 
I think the K rate might have been a little bit high, even though it was in line with his norms. Um, the fastball was a plus, but the velocity was flat with when he was starting last. You may remember he had the jump the year before, but that was due to the fact that he spent some time in the pen. Um, there was some de-emphasis on the fastball. So, you know, that might explain some of the gains there because he used it less and used the secondary more. But he's 33. He's got a lot of miles on his arm. So you have to wonder if the fastball is going to get worse. Um, you know, I, I think I'm in line with you, Nick. I'm not terribly concerned with Price. I just don't love him. I think he's going to fluctuate somewhere between like a 3.3 and like a 3.8 ERA with a round to strikeout per inning. Um, I wouldn't be stunned if the strikeout rate ticks down as I've outlined. He's just solid and unspectacular, and, and I don't think it's old and boring. I just think he's – this is sort of where he belongs. Okay, let's move to Luis Castillo, 112.99, 29th overall starting pitcher. Uh, this is a little expensive for one of the league's biggest disappointments last year, no? Are you buying the second half and this price? Yeah, I'm, I'm buying it. I, I, you're going to be against me on this, um, and that's fine. But I, I really like the player. I really like this stuff. I think that um, the first half of last year was just – he was in a slump, a really, really, really bad slump, but he turned it around. And it, it, listen, the kid's changeup is just absolutely ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It's one of the best in the game. And when you throw a 99 or 98 mile per hour fastball regularly, when you're pumping heat and you're able to come back with a wipeout changeup that generates 26% swinging strike, like you're going to be okay. And when you pair that with the fact that he has a sinker and a slider and a, and a pretty decent slider that also generates good swing and miss, I just think that there's a lot of upside. It sucks that he plays in Cincinnati, but um, he's, he's the ace on this team. And I expect a huge, huge year from him. I have him way above his ADP, and I like him. Let me see. We spoke about Mikola. I like him better than everyone we spoke about tonight. That's, that includes Wheeler. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm I'm lower on Castillo, as you hinted at. I mean, we, we did see the gains in the second half, and there were some changes. He de-emphasized the fastball. He brought it down 8 to 9%. Um, that could be the key to what was the turnaround. The fastball was especially bad. Um, the four seam in particular was terrible. Um, I'm willing to believe that he's better than last year's full numbers, but my question is just how much. 38% hard contact rate. You hinted at the ballpark. He's got he's got a bad fastball. I don't care about the velocity. If the fastball's bad. The fastball's bad. Um, I'm not sold that the command is great or even good. Um, of the young pitchers with bad fastballs and questionable command, you know, meaning him, Bieber, Pavetta, Castillo is my favorite. I have him at 34, so I'm not terribly far from this, but generally it's a name that I fail to get in drafts because, one, I'm not in love with him. Two, I sort of group him in with a big group of pitchers that come in around that range, and usually there's somebody like you that likes him uh, enough to – push him up the board and take him before I would even consider it. So, um, you know, I, that, that's, that, that's really my view of him. I, I just, I worry about the command. I worry about the fastball and I worry about the ballpark. 
You don't see yeah. him as all, you don't see him at all concerned about the fastball though. Is well, there a reason for that? Well, because like I said, it, it, did you look at the second half stats with the fastball? Yes. And were they imp- was it improved over the first half? He shifted to the sinker and he used it less and it was a little bit better, but I believe it was still a negative. Yeah, so I mean, listen, he's still young and if he messes with his pitch mix, um we're going to see an improvement because like I said, with it, with, with a change up that good, I'm sure you've seen it. It is an, an elite pitch in this league right now. Um, as far as the ballpark goes, he actually had a worse ERA on the road last year. He had 3-5 ERA at home. Um, but the second half was crazy. It was elite. 2.44 ERA, a 204 batting average against the entire second half. That's 66 innings of, of ace baseball. Um, I think whatever he did, whatever he tinkered with over the All-Star break, it, it showed. Um and, and I love him this year. I think, like I said, I think this kid is a future ace, and I love the ADP. All right. I'm just looking up to confirm whether the fastball was a positive or a negative. So just give me one moment. Let's see. Okay. All right. So, no, the fastball actually went positive in the second half, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah. I mean, and he's he, – like – and he's pumping 99, like he's pumping like 96 all year long. Like, you know, he, I don't know. I just, there's so much to like with this kid. I'm surprised that you're not on him because, like, to me, he's like your type of pitcher fastball, changeup, slider, and the change is f- absolutely filth. And we, we well, both yeah. love guys with really good change. And he, I, I, I still, I still think the, the fastball is questionable, even if he had a good, 11 start stretch where he used the sinker more as opposed to the four seam. Um, you know, I, I, I still see that as a negative. I still am not in love with the command. Um, and, and that's really the line for me is I, I don't trust the command. So I'm, that's where I'm not in on him. Okay. Um, you know, that, that's where my issue lies with him, especially in a bad ballpark. Okay. Okay. Charlie Morton, thirtieth, one nineteen point eight three. Now in Tampa, do you prefer Morton or thirty-one? Kyle Hendricks, one twenty-five point two four. The reliable Cubs starter, tossing straight fire at eighty-seven miles per hour. <laughs> Who you got, Morton or Hendricks? Yeah, it's definitely Morton for me, and it's not close. And I've we, I, you know, it's definitely I like- Hendricks. <laughs> For you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, we we were the Hendrix guys. I have them I was back the Hen- to back, though. I have them like back to back. There's all right. Well, well look, H- Hendrix is is extremely safe, and there's a lot of positives. The ballpark, everything about it. Like he's just year to year, he's so so consistent, and that's really tough to find as far as pitchers go, especially at this part of the draft. And with Morton, you've got um, you know a 35 year old who really turned it around and. In, in with the Astros, um, and they work their voodoo magic. Hopefully, it carries over into Tampa. But uh, the K rate, I'm I'm taking them because of the K rate. Like it's just gone up like every year over the last like five years. Um, and I think the walk rate was a bit inflated last year. I think he has better control than that. I think that'll come down a bit. So really strong ratios and a solid ERA again. I, I don't see why not. Yeah, I mean, I, I I mentioned this when we talked about Michaelis. I, I think a lot of this is team construction. 
once again, I mean, at this point, you've got one or two starting pitchers, um, and you have a good idea of what your base is in strikeouts. If you've got the base and or you're carrying a little bit of risk, I like Hendricks better because you know what you're going to get uh, from him. You're going to get around eight to eight and a half Ks per nine with uh, a solid walk rate, solid innings, uh, good, good ratios, and you can rely on him for that. Um, the Cubs defense is very strong behind him. He's got the two change-ups. Um, I don't care about the velocity all that much when it comes to him because he's a control artist and he's a command artist. Um, he can make it work. Uh, yeah, if he suffers from you know a decline where he starts throwing 83, 84, then you've got some problems, but we cross that bridge when we get there. Um, Morton is a pitcher that's much more closer to the end. I mean, he's 35, 36 years old. He's got a significant injury history. Last year was the first time he threw that amount of innings uh, in a season. Um, yeah, the velo is there, and it's great. And he shifted towards the four seam and started throwing the ball up in the zone last year, and that was really what led to sort of that next level of breakout that we saw from him. And I imagine it's why Tampa was into him because Tampa likes their pitchers to pitch up in the zone, particularly with their fastball. Um, so he sort of fits in there. But you got to worry about what kind of screwy stuff they're going to do with the opener and, and all that, especially when you're talking about quality starts leagues. Um, I, I don't think that they're going to do that, but it, it is something that you do have to be conscientious of. Um, and you also have to worry about the division. I mean, he's got to face Boston and he's got to face the Yankees. Um, those two teams are extremely dynamic offensively and you're not going to feel good starting anybody short of an ace against those teams. And he's got to see them. Tampa's going to see them, I think, 18 times over the course of a season. So it is something to be a little bit wary of. Um, but, I mean, for me, they're back-to-back. I, I prefer Hendricks slightly in terms of my rankings, but depending on how my staff looks, I may go in the other direction. Okay, Robbie Ray, 128.49, number 32. Ray has been all over the map. Can he find enough control to make him worth the investment at this price? Um, um, so first, so first I'm, I'm going to start, start by saying that. You're sounding like Mr. Roboto. Uh, uh, oh, is it? Yep. Uh, I, I'll start uh, this uh, one uh, off uh, while uh, you uh, Address your mic. Um, I've heard this theory bandied about with Ray and with Zach Godley, and, and I think it may hurt, may hold some truth. The theory is, is that their questionable command was affected by the humidor in Arizona, uh, and it caused problems with their breaking pitches. Although Ray was much better in the second half, the walk rate was still in excess of five, and most of his improvements were tied to better Babbitt luck. Now, Ray still got plenty of strikeout upside in addition to the walks, but he also still suffers from hard contact issues. As we saw in 2017, with some luck, Ray has significant upside and is one of the pitchers at this price that can achieve that sort of level of profit, that, that sort of ace level. But there's a lot of volatility here. I think the ranking's fine. But he's just one of those pitchers, and I've said this a lot tonight in this range, that, that I like other guys in this range. And, you know, I'll take them over him 
or he's all that left and I'm sort of waiting for the next tier as opposed to taking him. So How's my sound? You're, you're excellent. So all tell right, us about Robbie Ray. So, so you don't like the value here? I said I was okay with it, but I most likely wouldn't end up taking him. Wow. All right. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. I, I, I love the ADP here. Um, this is like the 10th or 10th round in 12 team leagues. End of the 10th, something like that. Um, uh, yeah, approximately. Yeah, where you could get a guy who could possibly have the highest K per nine in the entire league. Like he's got that kind of upside with, with his pitch mix or, or, or be very close to it. Um, the question is the control. And last year he was coming back from injury. He was all over the place. Um, we know that was the problem. I mean, we think that was the problem. Um, but listen, I see, but I, I think the problem is, I think the problem was the humidor that the humidor. Yeah. And that he wasn't able to, you're not contributing command his, command his pitches as well. How could you not contribute it to injury at all? You don't think that played well, any I, part? It could, it could be part of it, but he was bad before the injury and bad after it. So you're just saying he was never healthy. Um, I mean, it's a possibility. I mean, I, uh, and I mean, bad skills wise, like the results were good in the second half, but the walk rate was still over five and the K rate yeah. actually went down. I'm look. I'm trying pulling up his month to month stats right now. Um, yeah, the second half, he had a three, two, three ERA. The control was, yeah, the control was north of five. It, it was yeah, it was pretty bad, um, but uh, like like I said, I'm willing to roll a dice on Robbie Ray just because the K per nine is elite, and um, if he if he throws 170 innings this year, he's going to get you 200 Ks, and that 200 K club is it's a tough place to get. There's probably only about what you know six maybe six or seven guys that are going to be there, um, so I like it. I like the bounce back this year as far as ERA goes as well. Um, the ground ball rate was. Under forty percent, I think that that'll go up just a little bit. That'll help with the with the home run rate. Um, so yeah, I like I like Robbie Ray this year. I like the ADP a lot. Okay, let's move to another guy. I think that you like thirty third Chris Archer, one thirty four point three four. Do you think he can find his way back into the circle of trust? Yeah, definitely. So this is like for me the, the cream the cream right here. Like this between thirty and like forty. I, like, I really like this pitcher run right here, and that's why I keep telling you I'm not taking a pitcher early, and you don't believe me, but I'm not. Um, and Archer, Archer is one of those guys that I really, I really want to end up with for a couple of reasons. One, as far as um, consistency, like he's the most inconsistent but consistent pitcher in baseball. If that makes any sense. So like start to start, he's extremely inconsistent, but year to year, he's extremely consistent. Um, the K to walk ratios year to year are identical um and the only thing is like every year everyone projects him to have um less of an era because if you look at the last three years the fifth has always been drastically lower than the era um but it just hasn't happened yet and now moving to the nl um with a pretty good defense uh and the pittsburgh's been very good with their pitching i think that I think the stars are aligned for archer this year i think he could turn in a really special year he's still just he's only 30 years old um, I think that we, what we could see from him is the usual, like over a 10 or right around a 10 K per nine under a three walk per nine. But the magic number here is ERA. And I think that 
this year he could finish with like a sub three five ERA, um, and that would be ridiculous. So, you know, that would make him a top like fifteen, top twenty pitcher. So I love the ADP. Yeah, I don't know that you'll ever really trust Archer after the last few years, but I do think there's a decent chance that he's better this year. For one, he's no longer exposed to the AL East, and he's landed in a friendly NL park. That didn't mean much last year post-trade, but that's a small sample. Um, Alex Chamberlain of Fangraphs wrote an excellent piece on Chris Archer and the sort of change that he underwent when he went to Pittsburgh last year. I highly recommend you check it out if you haven't. Um, Unsurprisingly, upon arriving in Pittsburgh, Archer started throwing his power sinker again. And while it's not a dominant pitch and it didn't perform necessarily well in Pittsburgh last year, it was pretty good at limiting quality contact when he threw it earlier in his career, which is something you cannot say about the four-seamer, which has basically gotten rocked for like the last three years. So he, he there is a movement towards doing something different and – Even if this pitch is not great, it's probably going to be an improvement over what he was doing previously. So if the power sinker can return to form, uh, then he's got a nice combination of pitches with the sinker to get out and and, and soft contact and just limiting the home runs in, in one breath. And then the slider to get the whiffs. Um, you know, that's still a two-pitch pitcher. It's not going to be ace level, but it could be a step below that. And, Nick, like you said, mid-threes ERA and an abundance of Ks is possible here. Um, but you also need to account for the sort of volatility. And in that, he's sort of like Robbie Ray. Now, I think Robbie Ray's range of outcomes are wider than Orchard's. Um, but I, I, I do think that Orchard shares that quality with Ray where – you can't you can't feel good about projecting them in the mid threes. Like there's there is an outcome out there where they end up in the mid fours with bad whips, and that's a problem. Yeah, his his the bad whip's been out of control though with him with the uh, the Rays. Like yeah, but the Rays defense has generally been good. So is it is, is it the defense or is it that he's just getting hit hard. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 34th J hat and 137.41 or number 35 Masahiro Tanaka 138.96. Which Yankee <laughs> starter do you prefer? Oh, no, don't do this to me, please. Uh, all right. So uh, just out of curiosity, who do you think I would take here? Um, I think you would take Hap. Wow, really? You're you're bugging because I'm taking Tanaka. Okay, yeah, um, I'll take it Tanaka too. Yeah, I'm take, definitely taking Tanaka. Um, I thought you for, were trying to, you know, shock the world. No, no, no. Well, I because you know I love Hat. I mean, last year yeah. I took him crazy high, but and it paid off. But uh, with Tanaka, um, the 
the ratios are ridiculous. If you're, if you're in a K to walk lead, which you're probably not, and Pat yells at me for saying that every time, but he gets a boost because he doesn't walk anyone really, and he strikes out a lot of people. Uh, I think there is some upside as far as the Ks go. Um, last year he was at 9.17. I think he has room to get up to 9.5, uh, which he, which is where he was at in 2017. Um and the ERA, yeah, he's just been so inconsistent with it year to year. It all depends on home runs. It all comes down to the home runs. If he could just bring that number down a bit, which I think he will. I think last year's was a bit inflated. Um, just remember, he was injured a little bit last year, um, and he's coming in healthy this year. So if if that number comes down to, you know, one point in the in the one point threes. We could see the ERA take a little bit of a dip, but even even last year, three seven five, we could totally live with that. Like that's that's pretty good coming out of a guy from Yankee Stadium. Yeah, I mean, I have Tanaka as well in this comparison. I think this is where he should have been going in the mid thirties. Um, he's a solid performer in WHIP. <clears throat> he gives up too many homers and can lose it for stretches. But at the end of the day, you're probably ending up in the mid threes to high threes in terms of ERA with quality ratios which is the sort of package you can't complain about. Um, there is some concern year over year because the fastball is bad and he's relying primarily on secondary stuff. Uh, so if he loses feel, it can get ugly. But I'm willing to bet at this price that Tanaka can keep it together and do something similar to what we talked about with Archer, which is good K total, solid ERA, except Tanaka is probably a better bet for it than Archer. So let me ask you that. Would you rather have Tanaka or Archer? Archer. Okay. See, I'd rather have Tanaka. So wait, um, we and we didn't we didn't talk about Hap. But so what's giving you the nod, um, <clears throat> Tanaka over Hap? Well, I I mentioned Hap on the bold prediction show. You might recall, and uh, I worry about his performance in Yankee Stadium at the end of last year. Uh, and what I'm concerned about is Hap is getting on in years. He's extremely fastball reliant. If he sees any decline in the fastball velocity, I think that could lead to really bad results. Uh, during his stint with the Yankees, he had an incredibly high strand rate, close to 90%, with the skyrocketing homer per, homer nine, over per nine, which I believe was over one and a half. He had a 90% so, strand rate last year on the year? No, it, when he was with the Yankees. Wow. No, no, that's what I meant. Like, to, Yeah. Wow, okay. So from the time he was traded through the end of the year, he had like an 80s, high 80s strand rate and a homer per nine that was around one and a half. Okay. And those two things don't mix. Yeah, that's not good. Um, so that's concerning. And then, like I said, if he's a 70-some-odd percent fastball guy, if and he's 36, I think. Yep. So if he loses a tick – because he's not throwing all that hard. He's like 92, and then suddenly he's 90-91, throwing his fastball 70% of the time inside Yankee Stadium. It could get ugly pretty quick. Yeah, um, and the ground ball rate also dipped down like a lot, um, and that's not good in Yankee Stadium as well. Like If, if he maintains a 40% ground ball rate, He's gonna have some problems this year, but I, I, the value. I think I think he's still getting a little bit of hate because he is coming off another another decent sub four ERA year with solid ratios. So you've got him higher than his current ADP. Um, 
137 overall. I don't have my ADPs in front of me. I have yours. I have the NFBCs. Um, I, w- I would say I have him a little bit lower, actually. Okay. And on the pitchers, you have him lower than 35? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. See, I've got him in the 40s. Okay. Cole Hamels, 36, 151.08. Written off by most. Hamels had a nice bounce back year. Was it an aberration, or are you buying back in? So Hamels seems to be a uh, topic of discussion um, every now and then between our group chat, and you seem to always chime in with the fact that you really like Hamels this year. So why don't you start us off with the the Hamels love? Yeah, it was a really nice bounce-back year. The fastball velocity remained at a respectable level for a lefty. Um, Back in the NL, he excelled, throwing the cutter more. Swing and miss also came back. He was at 12% whiff rate. He gets the excellent Cubs defense behind him. Wrigley solved a lot of his homer issues from last year. He couldn't keep the ball in the yard in Texas. Um, like teammate Kyle Hendricks, I think Hamels presents the opportunity for really solid innings in my mind. Um, he has a bit more strikeout upside than Hendricks, whereas Hendricks is a little better with the control. Uh, but, you know, I could see eight and a half to nine K per nine with the walk rate right around three and ERA in the mid threes with plenty of dubs playing for a pretty good Cubs team. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm buying it. I'm buying uh Hamels this year as well. I was thinking before who else had a um, swinging strike rate of like 26% or more on a changeup. And it's actually Hamels. It's 26.1 last year, which is really nice. And he also had some other good swing and miss pitches with the cutter um, and the curve. So, uh, you know, I think there's, there's there's a lot of swing and miss in his game that could result in a higher um, uh, K per nine this year in Chicago, and I think that home run rate could come down a little bit because he's now in Chicago. Um, the defense, who the outfield defense right now on on the team though, who's playing center field right, uh, to start the year? I think it's a platoon between Hap and Almora. Yeah, so the outfield's kind of a shit show, right, with the Cubs. No, I think center is pretty good. I think both those guys are pretty good in center. And then Hayward's in the one corner, and that's all he does. That's is good. Defense. But who's in the other corner? But then Schwarber's the other guy. Yeah, that's yeah. A <laughs> that's a problem. All right. But not a, not not that not that big of a problem to move the needle at all. No, no. And no. and I agree with you. I, you know, I had said the K's would end up right around eight and a half. You know, now that you're – you start to do the math on that swinging strike rate of 12% overall with those three – off-speed pitches, yeah, you could definitely see him get up around nine and be, you know, sort of the uh, NL Tanaka in terms of what he gives you. A little more walks, but, yeah, I, I am. I'm, I I like Hamels, and generally speaking, I like the Cubs pitchers. I think they're kind of undervalued. Um, okay, Shane Bieber, 37th, 153.01. Months ago, I said that Bieber was going to find his way inside the top 40 before draft season. And lo and behold, here he is. Are you buying the control artist at this top 40 price? Yeah, I'm definitely buying him. Um, but he's going to go way too high in our league because someone's obsessed with him. I think it's just the gift game. He's got a good gift game. Him. I think he's keeping him. Oh, is he really? I think so. I think he was keeping uh, him. Damn it. <laughs> damn. Damn. Um, damn. Damn. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, the kid's 
to have this type of control and command at 23 years old is just like really, really impressive. Um, the Cleveland See, I don't Indians. Think he's got good command. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't think he's got good command. How is that? Because well, he's getting hammered. So like he can put it in the zone, but like, can he put it to the edges of the zone? Well, like I said, he's 23 years old. <laughs> But this is the, like this is a good point though. Like that's the difference between control and command, right? Control means you can throw strikes. Command yeah. means you can put the ball where you want to put it. I don't think that Bieber knows yet how to put the ball where he wants to put it. Well, the, the fastball is the problem here. Um, the, the, the slider and the, the curve were really good last year. The slider, obviously. I mean, anyone out there who hasn't seen it, pitches just ridiculous. Um, and I, I just think he yeah, needs to he's, the, he's, he he's, looks like Corey Kluber. He yeah, looks he's, like young Corey Kluber. He's going to, he's going to mess with the, with his pitch mix a little bit. I mean, he, like I said, he's still 23 years old. Um, and he'll find the command when he finds the pitch mix. I think, I think it's going to come together this year. I think that area is going to come way down and he's going to maintain really good ratios. And that K per nine could skyrocket because of how good that slider is. So we'll see, but I, I love the ADP. I love the upside here. Yeah, he's got significant upside, but he's just in the zone too much. 53.2% zone percentage. He didn't qualify, but that's 5% more than the qualified league leader, Miles Michael is. That's significant. Um, that explains why the hard contact exceeds 40 plus percent, which is also troubling. I, I'm not surprised that he's found his way up draft boards. And, you know, Nick, you, you really laid it out. There is a lot to like here. He's got a plus pitch in the slider. He's got excellent peripherals. And he's on a team that really continues to pump out very good starting pitchers. I mean, they're, they've got four starters within the top 25 of every single person's draft rankings. So the Indians know what they're doing when it comes to starting pitching. Um, so I think that's part of it is that's a bet on that. Um I don't know that I think that Bieber is going to instantly find it. I don't know if it's the decision-making, like that he's just actively deciding to groove pitches in bad counts to avoid walks, or if it's a command issue, as I mentioned. But this just seems a little too high for me and a little too rich when there are comparable young starting pitchers going later uh, for much cheaper. Where is, um, how come I don't see Nick Pavetta on this list? Uh, I don't know. Is he not on this list? I don't see his name. Then he wasn't going inside the top 50 when I made the list. Mm, well, so that's a good question right now. Do you prefer Nick Pavetta going outside the top 50 or Shane Bieber going where he's going? I would prefer Nick Pavetta going outside the top 50 at cost. If you gave him to me at the same price, I would prefer Shane Bieber. But if I can get Pavetta later, I would rather get Pavetta. Okay. Okay, Eduardo Rodriguez, 157.08. The Red Sox lefty has flashed in bursts between injuries what do you see as the upside at this point for erod 
Well, uh, obviously health is the issue here, but if he stays healthy, he could return crazy value. The stuff is really, really good. I don't know if you remember this. You probably don't because you have the you have the best selective memory in the history of mankind. But I was on Eduardo Rodriguez. I think that's and, incorrect, but that's okay. <laughs> it's very correct. I was on Eduardo Rodriguez in 2015 when he first came up. Um, I like the stuff. I like the control and command. I like the breaking stuff. I just like the pitcher in general. Um, and now with the changes he's made, uh, you know, generating more swing and miss and um, controlling his pitches even better, get, getting these good ratios as, as he had over the over the, as he has over the last couple of years. Um, I think he's evolving. Last year was kind of a fluke injury. What was what did he? It was his uh, his leg, right? What was the injury again? Do you remember offhand? Uh, it was his knee. His knee, but like it was like he like fell off the mound or something like that, right? Um, I do not recall. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he just like like tripped off the mound. Something I got to look it up. I have, to, I have the worst memory ever. Um, but yeah, I just think that this kid could like really break out one year and. Um, go absolutely nuts as far as ratios go, but with the RA, it's going to be capped being in, in in Boston. I think that best case scenario, you're looking at like three seven, three point seven. But at this point, that's that's a good return in value with the case. Okay, so you made an excellent point with respect to Nick Pavetta. He's actually inside the top fifty, and I, there's another picture I left out here that we need to talk about, which is you, Darvish. So let's talk about Eduardo Rodriguez, and then we'll talk about Darvish and Pavetta. Okay. Um, okay, so, I mean, Rodriguez has been around for a while, but he's only turning 26. He's got that really strong changeup, uh, plus Velo from the left side. Um, I, I don't know that there's a third pitch there that I really like that he's been able to harness and trust. I mean, the slider is – it comes and it goes, right? Like, it's just uh, – it's inconsistent at this point. Um, but the package right now is still pretty good. You got 10 plus K per nine strong whiff rate of, you know, 11% plus the ingredients are there for him to really take a step forward. Um, in terms of upside, you have to account for the fact that it's the AL East. Uh, I would probably put the ERA in the mid threes, uh, with a K per nine of about 10 and a half to 11. So, you know, he's sort of a poor man's, you Darvish in that sense, in terms of results. And, you know, that would be like peak you Darvish, um, yeah. which gives us a good segue. So Darvish would slot into this list um, in between Tanaka and Hamels. So he would be 36. Mm-hmm. So what do you, where are you on Darvish, Nick? Like what's your, what's your take on him? Do you like that price? Do you think it's warranted based on the injury? Okay, so I have Har- I have <laughs> I have Harvish Harvest. I have you Darvish as my twenty first overall pitcher. Okay, well you've got him higher than me, but I also like him a lot. Um, yeah. You know, I mean he's he's come out now after his after a really bad first start where he couldn't find the strike zone. Came out and had a nice spring start. He was up to ninety seven. He says he's, feel, he's felt as good as he's ever felt. Uh, all those things that you want to hear from a starting pitcher coming back from injury and all the things that you want to see from a starting pitcher coming back from injury, um, I think there's significant upside there. Uh, could very easily be 
a top 15 starting pitcher and really all he needs is health. I grabbed him in the great fantasy baseball invitational in like round 10, which is, you know, pick 150. Oh, beauty. So that's a, that was, that was a really nice value, at least in my opinion. And um, yeah, I'm in, uh, I'm not in at 21. I know Joe's also in the twenties. I don't know that I've got him inside the twenties, but I certainly have him higher than 36. Um, so I think on this podcast, we're all in on him. Uh, you have anything else on Darvish you want to say? It sounded like you were about to say something. No, I just, I, I'm crazy about him. And um, if, if you ever watch his uh, post game interviews, which I've watched each and every one of them this, this spring, he just sells himself so well. He's like CM Punk on the microphone. Go out and buy you, Darvish. He's the best. <laughs> okay, Nick Pavetta. Let's talk about him. He would slot in in between Shane Bieber and Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, so he's also inside the top 40. So to answer your question, uh, Shane Bieber and Nick Pavetta are both going at an extremely similar price. If you put a gun to my head, I would rather have Shane Bieber. But I don't like the price on either one of them. Wow, uh, is another guy that's got he's got command issues. Um, he, he's getting lit up when he's coming inside the zone. The fastball is bad. Um, he doesn't throw the breaking stuff enough. If he makes that change, he could be better. But we've seen him do that for stretches and then go back to the fastball again. So I'm not confident that he's going to make that change. Um, He's another one of those guys that is not willing to walk hitters. Um, when he gets into bad counts, he would rather groove fastballs. And what ends up happening is, is that he gives up bombs as a result. Um, you know, I know the Babbitt was bad. Maybe the luck improves a little bit, but I think in his best case, he's sort of in that Archer, Robbie Ray sort of territory where uh, the peripherals will – well, at least I should say he's more of the archer type where the peripherals will likely be better than his actual outcomes um, unless he makes some sort of change. So I absolutely love Pavetta. Um, you know, if you look at 2017, that home run rate is absolutely insane. 1.69 on the year. Um, that's the obvious reason for the 6.02 ERA. And if you pair that with the uh, – the 332 Babbitt as well. That, that's what's going to happen. You have a crazy inflated ERA. Last year, he made huge strides as far as the home runs um, per nine go. It came down went to 1.32, which is a little bit more respectable or a lot more respectable. Um, the ground ball rate went up. Um, but the, uh, the the Babbitt was still 326. So he finished with a 4.77 ERA. I think that should have been more like a 3.9 ERA. And the Phillies, not only is the lineup a lot better, but the, the guys that they picked up all are very, very, very good defensively. Um, I think that – Except Harper. De- um, no, Harper's a bad defender. Really? Yeah. Bad? Well, where is he playing? Well, he's a minus. Well, where is he playing? He's in, a, he's in the outfield corner. He's in a play in the corner. See, I, I don't know. I don't think he's bad in the corner, but – well, you can think that, but the numbers say he's not good. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, Segura is a, a big improvement, um, a big boost, and so is uh, 
Andrew McCutcheon is really nice. Yeah, I think overall the team is better defensively than it was last year. I would agree before. with that. I would agree with that. Um, so I think we're going to see a, a nice nice uh, sub four ERA from Bieber. And, I'm sorry, from Pavetta. And I think both guys are going to finish like neck and neck as far as numbers go. They're, they're both kind of similar. Uh, not as far as like their pitch mix and what they can do, but as far as like their projected outcomes. So I had them neck and neck, and I, and I, I like them both a lot. Okay, another young pitcher, Tyler Glass now. Um, <laughs> 39th on this list, but probably like 41 since uh, – I missed a couple of guys. 159.96. The market is buying Glass now's work in Tampa. Do you think he's primed for a breakout after exiting Pittsburgh by the sounds of your moans? <laughs> I think that you are buying. <laughs> really? You're oh, buying this too? Dude, I told you this is like the cream – like this – this is why I'm not taking. See, like me and you are on different pages, my friend. I am like out on this whole group. I I don't know how, and I'm I'm, like, for me, Glasnow is a total eye test guy. Like you watch him pitch, and he's just he's insane. Like his breaking stuff is just ridiculous and he's like seven feet Dude, tall he's like the wacky he's like the wacky inflatable arm tube tube man like he's yeah. like outside of like a used car dealership like with his arms all over the place like, I, I don't know how you find that impressive i know he's so big but i i like that um listen like big guy i like big big guys bouncing around trying to find the holes um yeah so listen glass now is really really interesting um you know he's he's he started throwing a slider last year. He only he threw it very 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 uh, only a few times, but it generated a shit ton of swing and miss. I really hope that uh, we see that. Well, how many times did he throw it? Six. <laughs> yeah, like twenty, like like twenty one. <laughs> but the swinging strike rate was like twenty nine. So listen, when I looked at the pitch mix and I saw a slider on there, I was like, ooh, I I didn't know he added a slider last year. So I want to see if that progresses uh, throughout spring training and the beginning of the year because if it does, then it, it could be ridiculous, but the curve, I mean, let's talk about the curve for a second. The curve is ridiculous. Like the, um, the movement on that pitch is really nasty. I think he's going to generate more swing and miss than he did last year and the year before with it. Um, and I don't know. I'm just glass. Now is a guy that like when him and Cole, was it him and Cole that were coming up together? How old is Cole? No, it wasn't Cole's Cole. It was 26. Like no, 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 no. It was, it was who, who, Tyone, I think maybe. Tyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tyone. Exactly. Um, when him and Tyone were coming up, um, they were kind of like neck and neck for me, um, but I don't know. I just think that the velo, the breaking stuff, I think this kid could be like super breakout 2000 this year. Well, right. I mean, I can Whatever see the path. I can, I can definitely see the path, right? Like stuff is on and he can command it. It's very impressive. But for, for me, when I've watched him, those moments have been few and far between. He struggled with both command and control. In Tampa, he started throwing up in the zone more, and that really helped his walk rate shrink because he was down below four per nine, which if he's there, he's got a real chance. But he also saw his home run per nine rate skyrocket, which indicates to me that the command still isn't there, even if he's found some measure of control. He still can't put it where he needs to put it. Um, 
I do think that Tampa can help Glass now. I'm not sure it's going to be a quick fix with him. And I certainly don't feel comfortable betting on it at this cost. And again, you know, I cautioned with Morton, you have to be sort of wary of what's going to go on in Tampa with what they're going to do with these starters. Now, I believe they've come out and they've said, we're going to start Morton, we're going to start Snell, and we're going to start Glass now. How much lease does Glass now have before they decide to turn him into a two or three inning super reliever? Um, that's a question that that I that I have in my mind. Uh, well, you got you've I got you've got you and you've got guys coming up like really yeah. good guys. Yeah, you've got you've got honey. Yeah, you got you've got honey. It's um, not good. Yeah, so I mean, that's so so a, what's the so what's the trend? What's starting the glass now trend right now? Why is he everywhere? What do you mean? Like, why is he everywhere? I mean, I'm I just analysts seem to be drooling over him lately. Well, because he's six foot nine with hands the size of Alaska, and <laughs> is that a, it? Really, he's got a big hammer curve, and he throws hard. <laughs> he's six and, foot nine with a big hammer, and he's. He dominated in the minors. Yeah. So, you know, that that sort of – and he's got the pedigree. I mean, like he was, he's at the top of prospect list. So all those things put together combined with the fact that he got better after the trade puts him inside the top – or close to inside the top 40 for, for a lot of people. For me, like he's in, he's in mid-50s. He's close to 60 for me. Because I, I view this strictly as a flyer. I don't view it as any kind of sure thing. And at this price, he's got to almost return some value for me, I think. Yeah. Okay, so I'll move to Andrew Heaney, 163.02. The Angels' de facto ace. What do you make of Andrew Heaney, who managed to put together a full season for the first time? You, all right, let's, let's see if, how good your memory is. Who did I comp him to? Last year, terrible comp. It was like the worst comp of all time. Oh, wow, uh, Rob Gronkowski. You're <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh yeah, he's like Rob Gronkowski when he is plays. It, he's the best. It's it really just a black hole on my career that <laughs> night. It's terrible. Um, but yeah, listen, I was all over uh, Heaney last year, uh, spring training. Um, you know, once word was out that he was fully healthy, this is a kid that was like. Extremely highly touted. He was a uh, uh, he was a first round pick. He had this stuff. Really good control. Really good command. Really good. Just like everything. Just an all around good solid pitcher coming up. Um, and what we really wanted from him back in the day when he was coming up was another pitch. And now he's got it. Um, so you know, sinker curveball change. They all work for him. He basically you know he doesn't really ever throw his 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 four seamer, which gets rocked, and he doesn't need to. The curveball is so good. Last year, the league batted 187 against it. He's generating some swing and miss. Um, the only issue right now is that he's had some elbow issues in spring training, which is you do not want to hear that with Haney. Um, but where it is that he's okay, and he, he did throw a bullpen session um, this week. So I would definitely, definitely, even though it sounds minor, you've got to keep an eye on it with this guy because he has been insanely injury prone. So that's, you know, to start his career, but I like the value here a lot. I, I, I like it a lot. Um, last year he was absolutely ridiculous. Um, he had a couple of months where he was elite, uh, July and May and May, he posted a sub two nine zero ERA. 
Um, and there's room to improve. I, I, I like Heaney a lot. Yeah, I mean, we've both liked Heaney for a number of years, and it's always just been a matter of health. Change up was plus, 92 mile per hour uh, fastball, which is good from the left side. Um, control is solid with the caper nine around nine. I like the defense behind him. Um, and, you know, now we've seen the innings. We've seen him stay healthy, so you can believe that he can stay healthy. Um, you know, you have to worry a little bit about the elbow, but the indications have been that it's minor. He's still in the bullpen. And, you know, soreness happens at this time of year. Not every yeah. injury is the is the end of the world. I mean, you're right. You have to proceed cautiously and and look at the information that's available if he comes out and he starts and he's throwing like 87, that's bad. But if he's back and he's throwing 92 and he gets through um, his, his spring training starts, I wouldn't move him down at all at this point. Um, and, and another thing is I think last year's totals might be even a little misleading. A lot of the damage that was done against him came at the end of last year. So it's fair to wonder whether he simply wore down with the workload through July, he was at a 3.64 ERA. I think somewhere in the 3.6 to 4.15 range is a fair expectation. Um, again, and with solid uh, ratios in terms of uh, WHIP and K rate. So yeah, I mean, I mean, um, you know, I, I prefer him. I prefer him over everybody else. All those other young pitchers we've talked about to this point: uh, Pavetta, Bieber, Glass now. I have Heaney in front of all those guys. Okay, Rick Purcell, 165.09. Or Nady Ovaldi, 171.02. So we did Yankee pitchers earlier. We're going to do Red Sox pitchers now. Who do you prefer? I know you're taking Nady Ovaldi. Damn right. <laughs> damn right. Oh, man, you love me. Um, so, all right, guys, go ahead. Go first. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's sort of strange to brand a player like Eovaldi as having more upside than Rick Porcello, who's won a Cy Young. <laughs> but I, I do believe it to be true. Uh, Eovaldi did two things differently last year, which led to a semi-breakout. For one, he started throwing uh, his blazing fastball up in the zone. And two, he developed a cutter, which really seemed to make the whole package work. Um, formerly, he was a pitcher that really struggled because he only had one or two pitches. Now he's got a fastball, a cutter, a split, and a slider, three of which were plus pitches last year. He still maintains the pristine, pristine control, and he's got a career-high 10.7% swing strike rate. The injury risk is significant, but I think the upside with this sort of velocity and arsenal is worth the risk. Porcello, he's fine. He's he's an innings eater. He's got good control. He makes his living off called strikes. The fastball's been all over the map. The slider was his only above-average offering last year. He's gone from a ground bowler to a mixed bat ball profile. That, co that coincides with the emphasis on his sinker, which makes sense given the fact that that pitch has been negative. He's, I mean, the one thing you can say about Porcello is he's going to give you right around 200 innings which you can't say for a lot of pitchers these days. So the, the volume will be there, but I, I don't know what else ends up being good for Purcello. I can't see him returning to the heights of that career season. 
No, I'm definitely taking the quality innings off of the innings eater. Um, you know, Ivaldi last year was was great. When he's healthy, he's 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 very 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 good. Um, uh, you know, the ratios are good. The stuff is good. If he finishes with a sub four ERA, he'll be just fine. But but Porcello, I mean, you mentioned the the Cy Young year. Like that was that was a year when every pitcher in the AL must have just been horrible because he had a three one five ERA that year and like didn't really strike that many people out. Like it was just like bullshit. So um, you know, he's still hold, holding on to that for some odd reason. People are still buying that, and I, I'm I'm certainly not. You could I, he's a guy that like. The, the the velo is what like 90 miles per hour 91 miles per hour you cannot be pumping that on the regular in boston and see 2017 where the home run rate went to 1.68 i mean he's got a real floor where he's basically unrosterable you can't hold a guy with a 4.65 era he had a 4.60 fifth that year so you know it was deserving um i i stay clear of porcello i have no interest in drafting him ever give me a volley time and close Okay, then I'll move it to Rich Hill, uh, 171.75. It's a roller coaster owning Hill, but it's 130 quality innings. Do you think the market is too low? It's it's a roller coaster through Hill. It's not a fun roller yeah, coaster. It's totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's totally not a fun roller coaster. It's like it's like the it's like a roller coaster where like people are throwing fireballs at you while you're on it. It's just the worst. But yeah, it is worth it. You're right. Um, listen, he basically like last year. I believe the magic number we like want from him is like 130, right? Like yes. we really want 130, and he did that two years in a row. Um, he's elite when he pitches. That's the bottom line. So you know, you pray for 130. Anything extra is gravy. Um. I just it's it's such a pain in the ass because of these blisters and cysts and headaches and all these weird freaking things that knock him out of starts. It it sucks, but he's he's a quality innings guy. And at this point, I'm not sure that there's anyone out there who has better stuff than Richo. Period. So I'm taking him here. Praying for yeah, one thirty. I, I have him just outside my top thirty, so I've got him wow, wow. way above this. And, you know, the injuries are frustrating. But over the last three seasons, with pitchers with at least 300 innings pitched, Hill ranks 7th in K per 9, 11th in ERA, 6th in whip, 24th in K to walk, 16th in fit, and 30th in ex-fit. When he pitches, he's very easily a top 20 arm. So, yeah, you're going to have to deal with stretches of time when he's out. Yeah, you're going to have to deal with one batter, one inning, one pitch starts. Those are part of the equation. That's what happens. It sucks. It's frustrating, but you shouldn't let it obscure the value in owning Rich Hill. Nick, you remember because you felt the wrath of Rich Hill in the second half last year. Oh, yeah. When healthy, 77, 77 innings pitched, 303 ERA, 90 Ks. He's a difference maker among a sea of Rick Porcellos. I think he deserves much higher than this, and will be taking him much higher than this. Yeah, and I think he'll be—I think he'll be going lower than this in a lot of drafts. People are scared. People are scared of Rich Hill. Don't be scared. 
don't well be scared, but you know. <laughs> Sometimes you have to live dangerously, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, you say Kikuchi. Once in six three. This year's import had the fantasy baseball world buzzing when he made Joey Votto look foolish. Are you oh, in at this price, or is Kikuchi further down your board? Yeah, like, all right, let, let's just forget that. He struck Joey Votto out. Big deal. That was, like, all over Twitter that day and whatever. Um, but uh, listen, what'd you say? I said the pitch wasn't even that good. No, it wasn't. It was like, like at all. <laughs> yeah, it was like a hanging slider, and, like, Votto just looked like he gave up on the pitch, like, when it was thrown, like, from the mound. But here's what I know about Kikuchi so far. He hides the ball really well. Um, he's got a 93 mile per hour uh, fastball that he he maintains the velo on all that that I've seen so far, and I really like the breaking stuff. Uh, the delivery is really really crazy. If if you've watched it, um, it's like you cannot get a read on that ball until it's in the until it's halfway to the to the to the uh, the batter's box. Um, so he's gonna trick guys, and I think that he's gonna generate a lot of swing and miss. And I think that when you comp him to um, Hyunjin Ryu and Meida, which is where they're going to make the comps, obviously, because he's coming over from that league. I think that he's got the highest upside of those guys, of those two. Um, Meida is definitely the control guy, um, but he's seen his ups and downs, and he's not as electric as Kikuchi. Um, I think Kikuchi could return crazy value. I have him a lot higher than he is, and so far from what I've seen, I've watched tape of him here, and I've watched a lot of tape from him overseas. Um, I actually went overseas to watch the tape. Um, I think he's going to be really, really, really good. I think he's going to be really, really, really good. Like yeah, okay. stupid good. <laughs> I'm okay with this price. I've got him a touch higher than this. Um, you know, the, the Velo's been sitting 92 to 95 this spring, which is really nice. Uh, gets everyone the facts from the left side. The slider is the star, and he can command that well. Um, that's a really good package in and of itself with just those two pitches. The ballpark's not bad. Uh, the Mariners have said that they want to keep his innings in check. Apparently the plan is every fifth or sixth start, they're going to sort of use him as like an opener um, or as a extended relief pitcher. Um, so, you know, you're going to miss some starts. The innings aren't going to be there to like a 200 inning level. But again, there is just, there's not that many of those guys. And as I just expressed with which Rich Hill, it's not the worst thing in the world that you get 130 to 150 quality innings. Um, you know, I hate to be stereotypical, but we've seen a pattern from pitchers coming over from Japan. They start hot and fade. If I'm buying Kikuchi in the draft and he starts hot, I'm selling by mid-May, no hesitation. Like I'd love to bank a solid six weeks of Kikuchi and then flip him for a player like Kyle Hendricks, who I know is going to be solid the rest of the way, and I know is going to give me the innings. Um, but I, that would be my word of advice when it comes to Kaguchi. I wouldn't fall too far in love to the point where I'm not willing to sell him if he does start hot. Do you agree with that, Nick? Of course. I mean, You're yeah. Mr. Roboto again. Oh, uh, well... Okay, so I'm gonna move it to Dallas Keiko while Nick fixes his uh, microphone. We got 182.55. In recent years, the starters, the, the, <laughs> excuse me. In recent years, starters have signed late and have struggled. 
I, I think that's a concern for Keuchel. I, I definitely do. I, I worry about the fact that um, pitchers have sort of struggled out of the gate when they haven't had their full spring trainings. Uh, and he's getting to the point now where that's going to bleed over into the regular season. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about two weeks from when the regular season opens in Japan. You're talking about three weeks when it opens across the league. Um, you know, he's running out of time. And if he doesn't sign soon, he's going to miss, you know, two to three weeks in April. And, you know, that's, that's four starts. And for a guy like Keuchel that doesn't strike out a lot of guys and you're really counting on the volume, um, that can be um, pretty that, – that can have a pretty distinct effect on his value. And, and that's without even going into the fact that, like, he showed some signs of decline last year. Uh, the ground ball rate was not where it's been in the, you know, mid to high – the mid-60s to high-50s range. It was all the way down in the low-50s. Uh, he was up in the zone more, trying to figure things out, trying a new approach last year. That didn't work. The velo, obviously, has never been great. Um, he wasn't getting guys to chase as much. I think he was struggling a little bit with his command and feel. And if it's the command, you have to wonder if it's the age catching up to him. And he's another guy. He's like Hendricks. He sort of lives on the edge uh, in terms of his velo and, and the package in terms of what he brings. So if he's starting to show some signs of decline, he's not getting his normal um, routine in in terms of spring training – you have to sort of worry about it. I don't like him at this price. I, I wonder where he's going to start to go in drafts. Um, he could potentially be a value, but you, you have to worry about the ballpark too. I mean, if he's, if he's in Philly, for instance, that's a really bad ballpark for him. If he's in San Diego, I really like that fit. Um, so, I mean, I don't mean to make it sound like it's all bad, if he ends up in the right situation, it could be good, but I, I definitely don't think it's a good thing that he's still unsigned at this point. Yeah, no, it's definitely a problem. I mean, you want your you want your pitchers to get more play in spring training than than your hitters, honestly. Um, but yeah, the landing spot's huge because this is a guy who's suppressed home runs in, in Houston. I mean, he's you know point seven nine last year, point nine three the year before. He really doesn't give it the long ball. So imagine if he if he signed in a place like San Francisco or Kansas City or San Diego, like you said, um, we could see that ERA really dip down uh, to a point where it'll kind of alleviate the the issue with the K's per nine. Like it'll make up for it, and he'll, he could he could become like a Mikolas almost. Um, so. Uh, yeah, uh, he needs to sign soon, 100%, and the landing spot will significantly um, move the needle depending on where he goes. Yeah, and uh, another thing is I'm looking at my notes. I mean, the swinging strike rate was at 8.3%. That's down 2%. And it's the lowest in years. And the slider was that was normally a plus pitch was a negative. Yeah, there's, there's just a lot of – red flags there in terms of not only the fact that he hasn't signed, but in terms of his performance. So the, the fact that he's down the board at this sort of level is warranted. And 
he's he's going to go lower than this if he doesn't sign. I mean, like if he's not signed by Monday, then it starts to become like I said. I mean, like it's almost it's almost a guarantee. You're talking about like the first three or four terms through the rotation at that point, right? Yeah. Okay, Hyunjin Ryu, 187.91. Another Dodgers starter that puts together that's put together quality work, but hasn't been able to stay healthy. What do you think the upside is for Ryu? Well, did it has why is his ADP here? How is he how is he going after Dallas Keuchel? Like he has a job and is coming off of an insane year. Um, I, I think it's just the fact that he's been hurt. I mean, I mean, he did what last year? Like, what was it? Like eighty some odd innings? Yeah, but he threw over eighty innings and had a sub two ERA and insane ratios, like insane. Um, so I, 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 I'll just say this: that the, the ADP is great, especially when you compare it to, um, I think Keiko and um. Parcello, I'd rather have him over Parcello. Um, I'd probably take him over Glass now, even though I like Glass now. I'm probably taking him over Erod, and I'm probably taking him over Cole Hamels, and that's that's where I have him probably as my thirty um, third, thirty fourth overall starting pitcher. Um, Do you have him in front of Hill? Him and Hill are like neck and neck. I probably would take him over Hill. Okay. I actually, I think I would. Yeah, I think I would just because last year was just it was absolutely elite, and I've always been a fan of the stuff. Like since he came up in 2013 um, and 2014, like he looked great in those years back to back, and then he dealt with a lot of injuries. And now, I mean, if he's fully healthy and he returns to form, just look at look at the track record. I mean, he's had multiple multiple years with sub three five ERA and really good ratios. Um, he doesn't give up any home runs. Uh, there's a lot of swing and miss. I, I just, I, 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 I'll t- I, I don't know. I, this ADP is crazy to me. I, I, I don't know how you're not on board with that with him. I mean, I am. I, I mean, last year was another level for him. I can't see him repeating that. No. Um, but I mean, even the peripherals were good. Uh, it was a good year skills wise. Career high swing strike rate, three plus pitches, fastball change, and curve. And he's also got the cutter as a fourth offering. The VLO isn't anything to write home about, but the control was fantastic. You know, 1.64 walk per nine. Um, you know, I went healthy. I think he'll be good. It's just a matter of how long he breaks. He's sort of like Rich Hill, sort of like most of the Dodgers pitchers. Um, you know, as strange as it is to say, I view Hill as safer. Uh, really? Why is but, why? why is that? Well, uh, we got 80 innings from Ryu last year. The year before, we got like what, like one hundred, and then he missed two full years. Yeah. So Rich Hill has thrown more innings the last three years than Ryu has. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think you hope to bank one hundred and twenty to one hundred and thirty from Ryu, and I think if you get that, I think you're going to see yourself in the mid threes to maybe even the low threes in terms of ERA. Uh, eight and a half to nine K per nine, good walk rate, good ratios. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think he's going to perform when he's healthy, and I don't have much of an issue with this. I'm not as high as you, but, um, you know, I'm certainly okay with drafting Ryu. Uh, John Lester, 194.46, and Jose Quintana, 194.93. So now we have the Cubs pitchers. Which one do you prefer? 
Uh, for me, it's Quintana. It's not even close. Yeah, I yep. like Quintana better too. Yeah. Uh, Quintana had a really, really down year last year. Um, he really let people down. I was I was really excited to see what he could do in a full year in Chicago and uh, not so good. But better than – you know, he started off so bad for, and he finished with a 4.03 ERA, which isn't like absolutely terrible. The ratios, yeah, he walked more guys, but I think that number is going to come down. He gave up more home runs than usual. I think that number is going to come down. Um, you know, he's in a better ballpark now. I think given a full year, a healthy full year in Chicago, I think we're going to see a big, big bounce back from Quintana. I think we're going to see a very Quintana-esque year, which is going to be like right around an 8K per nine, right around like a 2.50 walk per nine, a 3.70-ish ERA, just like a solid overall play. Whereas Lester, he just, he just isn't good. Well, I mean, with Lester, like, I, I, there was so much luck involved last year. Yeah. In terms of his result, I mean, the skills were just terrible. Uh, yeah. The strikeout rate was down significantly. The walk rate was up. Uh, the hard contact was up. It, it just was a mess. He couldn't get hitters to chase anymore. The uh, swing strike rate was down to 8.5%. He lost nearly 25% off that. Um, so yeah, I don't like the looks of John Lester at all. I'm not in love with Quintana, but he's reportedly been focusing on improving his changeup. And if that's the case, I think that's pretty huge for him because the curve hasn't been the pitch that it once was. Um, but I think that if the change becomes a representative pitch, um, you know, and he's got to do something with it. He's got to change the grip, something like that. But, but the reports have been that he's working on it. I think that could return the curveball to those former levels. The fastball is still good despite its slight decline in velocity. Um, he's sitting 92. He can live. He can live there, um, coming from the left side. Uh, as I've said tonight, the Cubs defense is pretty good behind him. He's only 30, so he's been around for a while, but he's not ancient. So there's reason to believe that he can rebound. Um, and and I don't mind this price taking the shot because. If he does rebound um, to like sort of the eight to eight and a half K per nine level, um, you know, the defense does better for him. He gets to the high to mid threes in terms of ERA. He, he can be a, a very easily a, a top 35 type starting pitcher and return some value at this spot. Okay, Kevin Gossman, the gas man, 198.44. For years, we hoped that Gossman would find his way out of Baltimore. Do you think he can break out in Atlanta? Yeah, so I, I've kind of always been a fan of Gossman. I kind of always thought that he could overcome the Baltimore Oriole shit show of what they do at pitching. Um, no one can. No. <laughs> yeah, really. No one can. But only Nate Carnes. Not even Nate Carnes. No, Nate Carnes will. I no, believe in Nate Carnes. in the pen. <laughs> they, they said it already? Uh, they're talking about it. Oh my god! I got to tweet him tonight. I got to tweet with Nate Carnes as soon as we're done. Oh jeez. Oh jeez. Anyway, um, so Gaussman. He's like their best starting pitcher, but no, they're going to try to stick him in the <laughs> It's so dumb. Who are they like? Who are they choosing over him? I don't even know who they like. Three, four, and five are. I really well, can't even name them. It's not even that. But like, I mean, he's he's thirty one. So like. Why are you trying to protect him at this point? Stupid. He's 31 well, on a one-year deal. Like, if if he wants to start, 
Let him start. <laughs> well, he did throw like one pitch and then disappear for like two years. So they might well, be afraid. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, maybe he just fell into the vortex, you know? I think he did fall into the vortex. I put out <laughs> milk cartons with his face on it. I couldn't find the guy. Um, but anyway, with Gaussman. Um, so, yeah, listen, I believe in what Atlanta has done with their pitchers as of late. They've been um, – They've been pretty good with uh, Newcomb and with Faulty. They've uh, been going in the right direction. And who was the other pitcher they got a lot out of last year as well? There was one more on the team, if you know offhand. Wasn't Annabelle there? Yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, he had come back out of nowhere and worked on his – tweaked his pitch mix and had, had a really nice season. Um, with Gaussman, he's got a really nice splitter, and that's the pitch I've always liked from him. Um, I like to see him throw it more. Maybe this year could even become his primary. Um, he'd throw the slider more, throw the fastball less. He he needs to just junk the fastball. That's just the bottom line. Or, you know, just mix up the pitch mix and make it like your second or third pitch. But definitely make the split of your primary and your slide the slider the second, and then he could have some. He could have a really nice year if he does that. But they have to they have to have to change the pitch mix. Like why? I mean, like why was Baltimore like, hey, keep throwing your four seamer this much? Like keep throwing it this much more. It's so bad. We want you to throw it this much more. Well, I I, I think I think what ends up happening with Gossman is is that he doesn't command the splitter great. Like he he loses it sometimes, hmm. and the slider is only mediocre. So. That's when he gets into trouble. That's when you see that two and a third innings, eight runs start out of him. Yeah. Um, and the fastball gets obliterated, but it's because he doesn't have anything else. So they just sit on it. And it doesn't matter how good your fastball is in that situation unless it's like an elite fastball. Um, but, yeah, I think he's got a shot. I mean, most wanted to see it last year when he got traded to Atlanta and the results were better, but it didn't come with gaudy skills. Um, the K rate was probably low. He had an 11.3 swing strike rate, which was a career high, and the K rate was all the way down to 7.25 K per nine. So I imagine that's coming back up, and and that's towards the lower range of outcomes in my mind. You know, as we mentioned, the splitter is really the marquee weapon. The fastball has the good velocity, but you know the slider taking a step forward or finding another pitch is going to be the key for Gossman. Uh, to truly take the next step. But even if it's just the current package in the NL, I, I don't see any reason why Gossman can't be a little bit better than what he's been and end up, you know, high threes ERA, half K per nine, and be a pretty good mid-rotation piece for the Braves and, and be worth this draft slot at this cost. Okay, last picture we're going to talk about tonight, Joey Lucchese, 206.14. We're reportedly working on a cutter. Do you think he needs another pitch to take the next step? Uh, he does, but he's going to be good regardless. Um, I think last year was a bit unlucky. Um, uh, listen, I, I'm i like in love with Lucchese, and I, I didn't know he was being kept in our league until like a couple of days ago, and I'm very upset about it uh, because I had him like ranked way higher than probably anyone else in our league. But um, the changeup is he's, real. What? You, do, you do know he's my son, right? Who, Joey Lucchese? Mm-hmm. And you love him? 
Yes, he's my son, and I love, <laughs> and I love him. Yeah, well, I love him too. Uh, the change is ridiculous. The ratios are good. He's got good command and control. Um, and now working on a new pitch, that's that's exactly what, what we need here. That's what we need here, people. Um, I think the home runs are going to come way down. They were at 1.59 home run per nine last year. Um, and when that does, you're going to see a nice drop in the ERA. Uh, the, the Padres have definitely gotten better uh, defensively this year. And he's in a good ballpark. I think he's getting Padre biased. Um, that's why he's so low. I, I just – I don't know how anyone could defend this ADP. But he does not belong uh, at post 200. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean the K rate was strong. I agree with you. I think the home run rate's going to come down. I mean, he's pitching in Petco. Um, it's not the ballpark that it used to be for pitchers, but it's certainly not a ballpark where you would expect a 1.59 homer per nine. Nor is he in a division where you would expect that. Um, you know, Chavez Ravine is a good ballpark to pitch in. Chase has become neutral with the humidor. Um, San Francisco is a great ballpark to pitch in. The only problem is course. Um, you know, the velocity isn't great coming from the left side, but um, the churve, as he calls it, the, the change-up curve hybrid that he throws um, is a pretty special pitch. And if he can find another weapon, um, it'll sort of bridge the gap between his fastball and the and the churve to where he can uh, – be sort of in three different velocity bands. And I, and I think that'll really help Luke Casey take the next step. But even as constituted now, like I, I think he's like a high three ZRA guy as opposed to uh, an above four guy. Um, he's going to strike out nine and a half to 10 per nine with a decent walk rate. Um, and, you know, especially at home, you know, if you're, if you're looking for a guy that you can stream, I think he'll, I think you can stream him at home. And if you, and like I said, those NL West ballparks are pretty nice. You just avoid cores. I imagine you'll be able to keep the ERA maybe even at like a three, five or three, four type level because you'll avoid the core starts. And if you do that, I think you'll be pretty happy with your return at this price. Agreed. Okay. That's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, we'll be back next week in some form or fashion with the, final part of our starting pitcher preview. I guess we'll do a few more as we've been doing them and then maybe do a little bit of draft drafting like we did with the outfielders. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Patrick FWO. You can't find Nick on Twitter anymore because he's been banned like six times <laughs> in seven different accounts. Yep. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Yes, and if you're drafting this weekend, good luck, my friends.